Couple Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempt from registration requirements. I wish that our stock market were as honest as every casino I go into. The gambling propensity is strong in people to do mathematically unintelligent things. Welcome to Libel on Fire with Libel Sternbach, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams as fast as possible with as little stress as possible. Libel Sternbach is the author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel's advice has been featured in countless publications, including Reader's Digest, USA Today, Yahoo Finance, CNN Business, Investment News, and and Market Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Libel on Fire. Hi again, everybody. I'm Freddie Bell, and welcome to this episode of Libel on Fire. And with me is Amazon's best selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety. And he is also the author of Authenticity. Libel Sternbach is with us. Hello, and welcome back, sir. Hey, how are you doing today? Doing well. You know, I've recovered after our last program when you gave me a lot of anxiety, but I think I'm, you know, I'm okay now. So I can help with this show today. And I'm really looking forward to it because we are going to focus on a couple of our readers right off the, right off the top and our listeners. And first of all, Libel, they want to know, and here's a question. I'll just state it the word for word. Uh, Libel, I'm getting close to retirement. And I want to know what type of advisor should I hire? And what would you tell her, Libel Sternbach? That is a really great question. And I think it really, really speaks to uh, how new as an industry financial planning and financial advisory is that that despite everything that we've done, you know, as advisors, as doing, you know, marketing ourselves, that the the person, the people that we're trying to help the most, that they don't even know what we are and how to tell the difference between us. And so when the the real answer to what type of advisor should you hire, the answer is, is the advisor who can help you, the advisor that you connect <laughs> with, right? And and I'll be honest, right? I'm a little, I'm a little different than most financial advisors that you'll probably come across in that I, you know, coming from the marketing side of this business, I have dealt with the full spectrum of advisors out there from from people who were completely unlicensed and they were, you know, real estate investors and they were or they were, you know, um, estate, you know, dealing with uh, estates and other types of people who help people out of financial situations that, you know, just they weren't financial planners. They didn't have designations. They weren't licensed, but they did a job that was better or as good as most financial planners, all the way to, you know, the, you know, the insurance agent and the stockbrokers who are just trying to sell a product, right? Mm -hmm. And I've I've dealt and I've experienced all of them. And I will tell you this right off the bat, and I tell this to everyone who I work with, there is, you know, each, each model has its own pros and cons, and their own kind of like lens that they look through the world. But that doesn't mean that any one of them can't help you. Right. You could have a financial coach who is, you know, who has uh, who is incapable of managing your investments, but will guide you and steer you better than the person who can do, you know, sophisticated investments. The real question you got to ask yourself is, 
can this person help me, right? Mm -hmm. Do I connect with them? Um, and is there a basis for me assuming that they are going to be able to produce the results that I want, right? Yeah. Um, and that's, that, that, I think, is a big question. So that's very interesting. I've been hearing, uh, and I, I watch a lot of television, even though I'm in broadcasting, radio broadcasting, and I hear so much, and I think they're pouring a lot of money into advertising, and it says something like this, that you should only, uh, if you're looking for an advisor, work with a fiduciary. Is that a fair statement? I don't think it's a fair statement. Let's talk what a, what a fiduciary is, and then I'll let you judge for yourself. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, the term fiduciary, and we've talked about this on the show before, right? The term fiduciary is hundreds of years old. It's probably thousands of years old. Uh, it's not something new to financial services, and it doesn't define a single type of financial advisor. And in fact, if you ask a lawyer and if you ask an insurance agent and you ask a stockbroker, are you a fiduciary? They all will feel or say that they're a fiduciary. The question is, is really what capacity are they acting as a fiduciary? In what capacity? In what instances are they acting as a fiduciary? In what instances are they acting as you know, a salesperson? In what instances are they, asking, are they acting just as your friend? right? Or a planner. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that very few of them know where that line is, right? Their compliance department might tell them where the line is, but they may not know, right? And at the end of the day, I, I think I can count on one hand the number of advisors who I've met. And I, and I have met, you know, hundreds of advisors, gotten to know them really, really well. I can count on one hand the number of advisors who were truly malicious, right? The vast majority of advisors really have their client's best interest in mind. Now, whether they're capable of delivering on that value, on that desire to help people, that's a separate question, but they all wanted the best for their clients. Right. So saying, you know, fiduciary, the term fiduciary means I'm going to treat your money like mine and I have a legal responsibility to do that, right? Obviously, there's going to be limits on where that responsibility begins and ends. And that's a real question. But it's at this point, it's a marketing term that very few people understand very well. Very good. And we're talking with Libel Sternbach about advisors. And I'm just curious, I happen to be in a market where there are a number of Fortune 500 companies, Libel. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering, the question is, if you're working for a large company and you have some type of retirement plan at work, do you think it's important to have that retirement plan uh, before working with an advisor or if you've got one at work, do you even need a, an advisor? So that that is a great question, right? And and for and especially if you work for a Fortune 500 company, chances are you can access a certified financial planner or some other type of planner through your um, work benefits. A, a lot of them, you know, as part of the 401k package, they'll provide some kind of planning services. So you may be able to tap into that before you have to hire an advisor. Having said that, right, the retirement plan that you have at work is kind of limited to work, right? It's designed to help you save for retirement. They'll help you. Some of them are salespeople and they'll sell you other types of policies. Some of them are working for the, the plan administrator. So, you know, this fiduciary word coming in again. The fiduciary of your retirement plan, of your work plan, has a responsibility to you as the you know, participant in the plan. And one of those is to educate you on the decisions that you make of what investments to choose and things like that. 
So they will provide resources for you. Having said that, those resources are going to be limited, right? They're not going to do in-depth planning for you. So you may want to engage a financial advisor as you start getting up to, you know, you're thinking about retirement. When you start actually being like, okay, where am I going to retire? When you start asking yourself those questions, that's the point where you want to start talking to financial advisors and potentially engage with them to start managing your money or to help you plan uh, how you're going to transition from working into retirement. Because the dangerous part is really that transition period, the five years, five to 10 years before retirement, and then the first five to 10 years of retirement are where a mistake that gets made, whether it's you retired a little too early or you invested it, you know, and you took out money in a down market, there's all kinds of like little hidden gotchas, but that's where mistakes are very hard to recover from. So, okay, maybe we made the decision that we do need a financial advisor. So what is it? Can you walk us through what should I look for in a financial advisor, whether I'm going through my company with the Fortune 500 company or a mid-sized company that has a retirement plan, but I think I need that advisor. What do I look for? What are the attributes? So the attributes you want to look for, right, is you want to know what is their knowledge base. They're, in order to call yourself a financial advisor, most states don't regulate the term, and it's not regulated on a federal level. So anyone can technically call themselves a financial advisor. So you want to know first, what makes you a financial advisor, right? And they may tell you, oh, I have an insurance license, or I, you know, I passed this this designation from this college or from this, you know, uh, governing body, right? Or they may say, I've got this license from this other governing body. You want to know what makes them an advisor. The next question is, is, okay, well, I, you know, think of it like a doctor, right? You've got a million doctors, but that doesn't tell you whether they're a good doctor or a bad doctor, right? right? No matter where you graduate in your class, you still get called doctor. So, so with a financial <laughs> advisor, you want to know, okay, what makes you an expert in retirement, right? Maybe this person is just really good at budgeting. Maybe this person is just really good at stock picking. Um, I I um I have a client who they they have an their advisor for I don't know the last twenty years, you know really great guy. Been this guy's been an advisor for forty four years. Um, he he wrote them up a plan and like the amount of knowledge that he put in this you know plan that he created for them is more than I've seen most advisors have. Period. Right. Like I mean he 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 being forty years in the business, he knew he knows a lot of stuff. However, when it comes to retirement, he was very light on, you know, how to actually turn that into a retirement because his focus was, you know, how do I pick the best stock? How do I get you the most profits out of, you know, your stock? So, and that is a reflection of who his client base was, right? They were his clients for 20, 30 years, and he did a really good job for them accumulating wealth. But when it came to the point of transitioning and, you know, spending down that money and turning it into income, he didn't even know where to begin. He, the, the things that he was throwing out didn't make any sense because he didn't have the experience and he didn't have the education and he didn't have the experience. Interesting. Okay. I have to go back then. I've got this financial advisor and I find out that all he has is the letters, but he, he doesn't really tap into what I'm trying to do with my retirement plan. What do you do then? So if your advisor doesn't have, you know, the pedigree, right? And what you want to do, right? So you look at, you know, what what makes you a financial advisor? What's your education? What's your experience? And then ask them, what is your philosophy? 
right? What is your approach? How are you going to solve this problem for me? And you should get that. All of that should be, you know, they should communicate that to you before you sign an agreement with them. Right. And, and this is something that I teach all the financial advisors I've ever worked with, right? Is really before the first meeting, or if the first meeting, you know, between the first and second meeting, that all those questions need to be answered. Because if you as the consumers, you as the person who's hiring this person has any question as to what that experience will look like, what, what it'll be like to work with this financial advisor, then you shouldn't work with them. You should not sign on the dotted line. You need to know what you're buying because getting out of an advisory relationship is usually pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. um, you may think like, oh, well, I'll just go down the street and hire another advisor. But we both know that that involves signing lots of paperwork and waiting for things to transfer. And, and the real problem is, is when those assets are transferring, if what it, it depends what's happening in the market because you may lock in losses. You may miss out on returns. You may... Who knows what's going to happen? So you want to try to find someone who can really work with you long term uh, rather than, you know, shopping around. But you want to shop around beforehand. Right. So if you don't get a good vibe from the first advisor, go down the block to the second advisor. Right. You, there, there's no reason not to shop around. That makes a lot of sense. Before we run out of time, we've only got about 90 seconds left. And I apologize if we are looking for information and the show is over. How can I get more information about selecting the right person who could be my advisor. On my website, yieldsforyou.com, I have a free course called How to Choose a Great Financial Advisor, where <laughs> I will walk through step by step, right? The different types of advisors and really the questions that you should be asking them and how, what are the red flags to look for and um, where to look to find great advisors. All right. And that website name is yieldsforyou.com, sir? You got it, yieldsforyou.com. That's yields, the number four, the letter U.com. We're talking with Libel Sternbach. We're talking about finding the right advisor. And we'll be back with more after this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Libel on Fire. If you have questions about today's topic, please submit them on our Facebook group at libelonfire.com slash Facebook. And if you would like a free signed copy of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity, visit libelonfire.com. Now, back to Libel on Fire. Hi again, everybody. I'm Freddie Bell, and welcome back to this segment of Libel on Fire. I'm with Libel Sternbach. We've been talking about finding the right financial advisor and Libel, I like what you said at the outset of our earlier conversation. Uh, it was something like, uh, find the person who can work for you that you're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. you want to find the person who you can work with, who you're comfortable with, um, who, can, who can provide the outcome that you want. Right? So what's, what's the difference between a financial planner, Libel, and a broker, and an investment advisor, and an insurance salesperson? Well, financial planner is something that some states are starting to regulate the term. There's starting to be some recognition that not everyone who provides, you know, investment advice or sells anything in the investment, you know, financial world, that they necessarily engage in planning work. So when we think of, you know, budgeting and we think about, you know, how much money do I need in retirement or when should I take money out of my accounts? 
Um, these questions of, you know, that are really multidisciplinary, right? They they cross over so many different things and they cover, you know, investments and taxes and estate planning and income planning and insurance. That really comes into the sphere of planning rather than any one of these niches or any one of these licenses. And for a long time, it would be, you know, an insurance agent or a stockbroker in order to get business would offer that as kind of like an add-on. It was like the free, they would give you a free plan in order to get you into the office. And how good that plan was varied from office to office and how much work they did varied from advisor to advisor. But lately, and there's been a very big push to make this happen by the Financial Planning Association, by XY Planning Network, which I'm part of, and by these financial planners, these people who are dedicated to the craft of financial planning, to make it something that's regulated, to make it something that's recognized as its own field. And that if you want to say you do planning work, you need to have you know some kind of qualification to be a planner, and you actually have to engage in holistic planning, that there's a definition to it. So much so to the point that states are starting to take the viewpoint that if you say you do comprehensive financial planning or holistic financial planning, that means you do investment management, which means that you can't be an insurance agent or a stock, well, it could be a stockbroker, but not an insurance agent or, you know, an unlicensed person. You actually have to be licensed in order to say you do holistic planning because of this recognition. So. When we look at those, the difference of those terms, right? We have, you know, a a, a stockbroker, right, or a broker dealer, someone who literally just brokers uh, the buying and selling of companies. That's what they do. And whether it's a company or a bond or, you know, an exchange traded product like, you know, a, a stock or a uh, an ETF or a mutual fund, right? Their job is to broker the transaction. And they're called a broker dealer because they broker it and they deal in it. And it's two sides of that transaction. One person's buying, one person's selling. And generally they engage in both halves and make money on it. An investment advisor is the other side of the industry. These are people who their entire business is really to give advice on investments they do do buying and selling, but their business model isn't based on buying and selling. So whereas a broker dealer usually makes a commission on each transaction or they charge a fee on each transaction, an investment advisor will typically charge either a flat amount or they'll charge a percentage of assets or an hourly fee. They charge something else other than per transaction. Uh, and that is typically what investment advisors do. And they have been, for the most part, you know, the two sides of the investment industry. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have insurance. Um, and insurance, they will, they will take your assets, right? They will take your money. They will invest them, sort of, but you don't necessarily get to tap into it like an investment. Although in order to attract assets in bull markets where the market's going up and people are like, why am I going to lock up my money for 10 years and not be able to access it and not get the returns that the stock market is getting? The insurance industry has created more stock-like products, more investment-like products so to attract money. Um, but insurance agents, right? They, they get paid a commission for the most part. Not all insurance agents. There's a new crop of insurance agents that get paid assets under management. Uh, so sort of like an investment advisor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, right, they get paid a commission for selling a transaction, for selling a product. Um, and those are the players in our in our sphere. There is another group, um, which I'm kind of part of, which are financial coaches. And these are people who kind of don't participate in any one category. They don't make commissions. They don't sell products. Some do investment advice. Some don't. Like I specifically stay away from investment management for the most part. But we provide, you know, investment advice. We provide financial planning. We or we provide coaching and stay away from investment management. We just teach you how to do the things, but we don't actually do it for you. Those are kind of the different players. So those are the players. So when I'm if I'm shopping, I'm going down and I'm going from planner to planner. Should I expect to have to uh, pay for this financial planning service? Some of them will charge you up front for it. So you have like fee only or hourly based where they're only getting paid the money that you pay them or they're getting paid for managing your assets. And so for the ones who are getting paid by you, where they, you know, you pay them like a lawyer or, you know, uh, an accountant, there are financial planners who get paid that way. You will pay for the financial plan. There are also people who will manage your investments, but they separate out that financial planning and they say, listen, to create a solid financial plan, right? It's going to take me, you know, 20, 30 hours to do. I'm going to charge up front for that, right? Even though that's supposed to be how I get my business, it's a lot of work. And if you want the free one, you can get a free one for, you know, I'll put an hour or two into that for free to get your business. But if you want me to do any real planning, we're going to, you know, I'm going to charge you 1500, 3000, 5000. I mean, I've seen, I've seen $10,000, uh, for financial planning fees. So should you work with the fee only financial planner or an advisor who makes a commission? And what's the difference between the fee only and a fee base? It sounds the same. So fee only and fee base, and they do sound the same. So they, and, and the difference is subtle. It's very, very subtle. Fee based means that they generally only make their money from the fees that they charge you. So whether that's for managing your assets, they're charging you for managing your assets or for financial planning, right? And they get paid for that. However, because they're fee-based, that means there is the potential that they're getting paid a commission for something, which means they may have what's called outside business activity where they're selling you an insurance product. Technically part of their financial plan is not part of their investment advisory agreement with you. It's just something separate that they're getting paid on. And that's why they're called fee-based, not fee-only. Fee-only is I don't get paid a commission on anything. I don't get any kickbacks. It's kind of like, you know, you know that the only way I'm getting paid is from you. Very interesting. So we're talking with Libel Sternbach and we're talking about advisor selection. I'll just phrase it that way. And I, I have a question, but I think I may have already answered it. The question is, do all planners and advisors have to be registered with the Security Exchange Commission? But because you've also said that insurance brokers also participate in this pool, I guess the answer is no. That's correct. The vast majority of them, in fact, are not registered with the SEC. There are a lot more insurance agents than there are you know, investment advisors. I mean, broker-dealers aren't registered with the SEC. They're registered with FINRA. So the answer is no. And if there, if you wanted one place to go look up and see how someone's licensed, well, good luck because they may or may not be on those websites. 
And that doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong, right? It may just be that they're, you know, a financial coach and they're not crossing that line that requires them to be registered. There's also, by the way, there are people who specialize in uh, what are called accredited investors. They only work with people who, you know, have, I'm not going to go into the technical definition of it, but people who meet this definition of an accredited investor. And if they work with less than 20 of them or 25 of them at any given time, they do not have to be registered and they can be giving them advice and doing things. And, you know, depending on how they structure their business, they may be able to avoid having to be licensed or be registered. Interesting. So let's talk now. Okay. So we understand that aspect of it. So how often, once you've got that advisor on board, assuming that's what your decision is, how often should you meet with this advisor? How often the the answer is how often you need, right? You want to meet with your advisor uh, as often as necessary, but no more. So every advisor is going to have their own process and you want to know what that process is up front, right? They should be able to clearly tell you, we are going to meet, you know, this is how many times we're going to meet, or, you know, this is the scheduled times we're going to meet. And if you need, you know, a phone call or a meeting in between, this is how we do it. And this is how many you get or whatever, right? This is my availability to you. This is my commitment to you. Uh, so you want to know what that is up front. There are some advisors who write who are they're meeting with you every week, every month, right? Some are only every quarter, some are only once a year. So you want to know that. And it may change over time as well, right? Like I, you know, I have people that I in the beginning I'll meet with them every single week, but then, you know, once they get things going, it's, you know, once a quarter maybe or once a year, or it's whenever they decide that they want to meet with me. Um, so you really got to speak to your advisor. And you got to make sure it's something that you're comfortable with, right? You need to be comfortable reaching out to your advisor and you need to be comfortable with the amount of times that you're meeting with them. But I'd say more important than anything, you need to feel like that if you wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, that you can reach out to your advisor and they're going to talk to you and that they're going to be able to calm you down and, you know, keep you <laughs> from making rash decisions. Because that's at the end of the day, right? That's what we're paying them to do right? We're paying them to keep us from making costly mistakes to our retirement. Before we get too far, we want to make sure that uh, you, we can share some resources with our listeners on where they can get information to help them to decide on whether or not uh, an advisor is somebody that they need to bring onto their team. Tell us about the resources that you offer, Libel. So yieldsforyou.com, go to the classes section. I have a class on how to choose a great financial advisor. Highly recommend that you go through that. I also really recommend that you go through the simple path to a golden retirement that I've got on my website as well. Because when you go through the how to hire a great financial advisor, you're going to understand how you know this world of financial advisors and what you're hiring. And then uh, the other side of that, you have, okay, now I know how to hire someone. What am I hiring them for? Right. You need to know what you're hiring them for. And I think that, you know, kind of the biggest biggest lesson that I've learned over the years is that as financial advisors, we make this assumption that people know what they need. But the truth is, is that, you know, you retire and nobody gives you this handbook that says, here, here are the steps that you got to take in order to retire, right? You got right. to, you know, apply for social security, you got to apply for Medicare, and you got to look for, you know, you know, a Medigap or, you know, whatever you want to call it. There are things you need to do um, and that you should do. 
And that's kind of what my, you know, the simple path to a golden retirement is, is designed to help educate you of what those steps are and enough questions so that you know, like, okay, I need to look more into this. I need to look more into that. I'm going to go to a financial advisor and these are the questions I'm going to ask him, right? I'm going to ask him, you know, how do I, you know, what do you think of this for social security, right? Or I'm this year's away from Medicare, right? How do I deal with health insurance before Medicare kicks in, right? How are we going to pay for that? Makes a lot of sense. Libel's on fire. That's the name of the program, Libel on Fire. I'm Freddie Bell, and we'll see you again next time right here. That's all the time we have for this episode of Libel on Fire, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams. If you have questions about today's topic, please submit them in our Facebook group at libelonfire.com slash Facebook. And if you would like a free copy of Libel's books, Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity, visit libelonfire.com. Thanks for listening. Koppel Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Registration as an investment advisor is not an endorsement of the firm by securities regulators and does not mean that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. All investment strategies can result in profit or loss. Information presented on this program is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Discussion should not be construed as any offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell the investments mentioned. Annuity guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Content should not be viewed as legal or tax advice. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation.